good morning to all of you. Uh, my name is Drew. If you're a guest with us today, uh, just humbled to get to spend time with you as we figure out what it means to really follow Jesus together. Um, this summer has been, been really busy, uh, August in particular, starting with camp at the beginning of August, and then last week we had our service at the beach. Uh, if you weren't with us, I'm going to show you a couple pictures of that. Powerful time. Uh, 11 churches came for the service, 13 churches total, and God just moved powerfully. Uh, and, and I loved it because we gathered in the center of our city to lift up the name of Jesus. And God is at work. He's doing some powerful things. And uh, what a cool thing to be a, to be a part of. Uh, next week, we're going to jump into a series called Titus. And I'll give you one guess as what the what letter we're going to be studying in the New Testament. <laughs> nice. Not Romans. Titus. Uh, it's a, it's a short letter, but the, the cool thing is, is it's a letter really about, about leadership and those in, in authority. And, and I'd say that the world that we live in, we, we could use some good coaching on what leadership is and what it means to live above reproach and to have a life that's honorable. And so we're going to talk about that for a number of weeks. But today we're going to go over our vision and mission as we do every September. And so if you've come to our church for a while, you get to hear this twice a year. Uh, hopefully, it's, it's so common to you that you could come up here and you could share this part of the story. That's the whole goal of sharing it twice a year, is that it becomes that familiar. Um, but our mission as a church is to, to follow the life and teaching of Jesus and to help others do the same. That's our mission. Uh, if you're newer to faith or newer to church, you're going to find something very similar to this in Matthew 28, where Jesus tells his disciples before he leaves, listen, I want you to go out into all the world and, and I want you to tell people about me and I want you to baptize people in my name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I want you to teach them everything that I've taught you. And so we figured as a church who's following Jesus, if we're going to have a mission statement, we might as well take the one that the Lord of the universe already gave us versus create our own. Amen? Does that make sense? So, so we just kind of phrase it as we're going to follow the life and teaching of Jesus and then help others do the same. And that's, that's our heart for you, unashamedly, if, if you are our guest with us today. I want you to know Jesus. He, he's the author of your life. He's the one who can provide for you. Uh, he's the one who can heal you and restore you, and only him. And so we're going to point you to him, and we're going to talk about him a lot if you hang out with us very long. Our vision uh, on top of that, is kind of just how, how this works out practically, what this means weekly and monthly and yearly for us. And our vision as a church is to connect with God and one another, grow in community, and leverage our lives to serve others. Everyone say connect. connect. Grow. grow. Serve. serve. There, you got the vision. That's it. If you can say connect, grow, serve, you got it. And beyond our, our human desire, like, these aren't just like cool art on the wall. This, this is like our heartbeat. This is what we want to do as a community. We want to live into these realities. And not only that, we don't only want to strive to these things, but this is what I believe God wants for us. He wants to be connected with us. He wants us to grow and be transformed. He wants us to change. He wants us to heal. He wants us to be restored. And, and also, as he lived amongst us and was a servant, he calls all of us to be servants, to follow his lead, to take what we've been given and use it to bless and care for other people. 
So this is God's desire for us. Now, grab your Bible, turn to John 15, because we're going to see all of this expressed in the words of Jesus. Uh, John 14 through 16, some of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's this very intimate conversation around a meal with the disciples about what it looks like to live with Jesus. And in chapter 15, uh, he provides a very accessible illustration. Here's what he says. John 15, verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This idea of of abide is to make home with, to dwell with, to be present with. So here's our connect piece. Jesus makes it very clear in these words that his desire is for us to be connected to him. As branches are connected to a vine and receive their nutrients and their life and fruit can flow from that, Jesus says, you need to be connected with me in order to receive life and nutrients and produce anything with your life. You've got to be connected to me. Now, a quick side note for the history buffs, Bible history buffs. In the Old Testament... If you're familiar with the Old Testament, uh, this imagery of the vine and the vineyard is actually very common, and it's common to describe Israel, the people of God, who were set apart. They were a set-apart people who were meant to express to the nations who God was. They were to embody who God was to the rest of the world so that the whole world would know who God was. Here's the problem. They bombed it really bad. (laughs) Like, really bad. And so Jesus, when he makes this reference that he is the true vine, what he's saying, what he's asserting is he's saying, listen, as, as Israel was always intended to be, I am perfectly. They were always meant to embody the heart of God to the world. Jesus is saying, listen, if you look at my life, I'm showing you who I always intended Israel to be. And for us, he shows us who he always intends us to be, what he invites us into. And he says, connect with me because I am the true vine. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, as he says in John 14. When we're not connected to him, we're not getting what we need to produce fruit. So it's like this, uh, this tree branch. Um, this has been in a pile in my backyard for months because I've, I've been lazy, let's just be honest. Uh, I haven't taken it to mallards to be dealt with, but this has been sitting in my backyard, and, and this branch uh, is dead, if you couldn't tell. I mean, just like crusty dead, right? And this, this is you and I apart from Jesus. Like, there's no life in us. And no matter how, this, how hard this branch tries to be full of life and to produce fruit and to have vibrant leaves, this branch, disconnected from the tree, cannot do what it's designed to do. It's dead. And to be honest, all of us are like this. We're a little crusty, like gross, like dead, 
decrepit, falling apart, frail, apart from Jesus. We really are. And sometimes we try to be something good. We try to produce good things, but we come to the end of ourselves constantly and we get discouraged and depressed because outside of being connected to the source of our life, we're dead. And the gospel, the good news, is that Jesus came for dead branches. He came for broken and decrepit and messed up people and said, listen, I want to graft you in. I want to I pull you into the story. I want to I bring you close to myself that you, so that you can experience new life. And all that's necessary is to recognize I'm this dead branch. And out, in my own strength, I can't. But Jesus, you can. And he invites every single person. Come, abide with me. Be close to me. He is the vine, and we are the branches. And so this morning, maybe, maybe this is a newer story for you, and, and if you're feeling like this, like this dead branch, if this, if this is what your life sounds like, maybe, maybe it's the grace of God that you're here this morning, and Jesus is inviting you to himself because he wants to give you abundant life. Because he loves you. On Friday, uh, I had the opportunity to be in a wedding uh, to officiate a wedding for some old students. I was a youth pastor for a number of years in Everett, and I got a call from some of my old students saying, hey, would you be, would you be all right coming and doing our wedding? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. So I went down, it was in Granite Falls, and it was like this massive reunion because all of the kids that were part of the youth group are still friends, and so they all came to the wedding. And so I was seeing a bunch of our, our old students that were you know, 15, 14 when I knew them, and now they're now they're adults and it's super weird. <laughs> and they're getting married and, and some of them have kids. And I'm like, this is strange. You get how that goes. So I'm at this wedding and two of the girls that were in our youth group, they had their boyfriends there for the ceremony. And during the reception, uh, I was sitting in the back of the room with them at one of the back tables because I was going to sneak out a little bit early. And, and the, the couple had this pretty cool guest book. They decided to have a Bible printed with like a unique cover on it, and they asked people that came to the wedding to highlight a verse that meant something to them, or to highlight a verse that they wanted the couple to be encouraged by. And so they had highlighters, and they said, write in the margins, uh, you know, an encouragement, and sign your name in the margins of the Bible. I thought it was super cool. So this Bible's going around, and I'm sitting with these two gentlemen who, uh, great guys in their own right, they, they seem to be like they're, they're doing pretty well, they've got great jobs, and uh, and we start looking at the Bible, and they're, it was fascinating to watch their faces because they were trying to figure out, like, what verse should I do, right? And I was being a great pastor in that moment. I said, just turn to Leviticus and just choose something random. <laughs> like, just find the craziest thing you can find, highlight it, and sign your name and say, God bless you. Um, but, so it struck up this conversation because this Bible's going around and, and I'm realizing they don't have a lot of exposure to the scriptures and haven't. This is the world we're living in, by the way. Like they just have no connection to it. They don't know the story. And questions started coming. They started asking questions. And, and, and one of the guys said, so it's like the Old Testament and the KJV, right? I was like, well, not entirely. And one question led to another, and I'm just explaining the basics of this is the Bible and the Old Testament and the New Testament. Here's who Jesus is. 
And, and these guys were just hungry. They were hungry for God. They, they were hungry for meaning. They, they, they seriously were pressing in. And, and I go to leave. I'm walking out. And, and they're standing outside the reception hall. And I wave. I'm like, see you guys. It's so great talking with you. And as I'm walking away, one of them goes, hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. Do you have like a contact card or something? Because I'd love to talk with you more about the Jesus stuff. I was so humbled by that moment. Here's what it reminded me of. God is constantly at work trying to draw people to himself. And you know how he does that? Through you and me. Through a meal, at a reception, at a wedding, around a Bible that's a guest book. You see how how wild that is? But you know what? He'll do this in your life this week when you're at the grocery store. and And it's not super complicated. It really isn't. Just pointed them to Jesus. And we all get to do that. Our heart as a church is that we would be aware that God is constantly trying to connect with us. He's trying to connect with you. He's trying to connect with the people around you. And we just get to be his hands and feet, as we say at the end of every service, in connecting people to God. Connect with God and one another. This is part of our vision. A couple practical steps. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning, if that's news to you, that you're loved that he's aware that you're a little frail, but he loves you, and he forgives all your wrongdoing, and he wants to rescue you and restore your life, that might be why you're here today. He's just saying, come to me. If you know Jesus, you have to continue in the relationship. It's not just a one-time decision for Jesus. It's like any relationship in your life. You guys just got married not too long ago. Your relationship won't flourish just by being in the same house together. You actually have to talk. You have to listen. You have to ask questions. That's how your relationship grows. It's no different in our relationship with Jesus. Yet it's funny how much we don't make time to have a relationship with Jesus. The Gospels are his life laid out for us, and we can learn every single day about who he is and what he calls us to. Do we make time for that? Are we intentional about that? My prayer is that we are, as a people, that we're coming to know him, that we're growing in our knowledge of who Jesus is and what he has for us. So what could that look like for you this fall? Uh, Continuing in verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. <laughs> and is thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. I love that. That you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. So Jesus tells his, his followers, listen, God is pleased to work in your life. He is, he is pleased when your life is producing fruit. It brings him great honor and joy when you are being who you're designed to be. It blesses God. He's, he's so happy. He is glorified when your life is bearing fruit. 
Now, if you're a farmer or, or you try to garden, I'm a try to garden kind of guy. I try and fail every, a lot, but anyway. If you're a gardener or a farmer, when you, when you take a seed and you plant it in the ground, you do that fully expecting that that seed is going to grow into something. Agreed? Like, you don't just plant a seed in the ground for fun. You're hoping that it produces a flower or some food or some fruit or something. And if it doesn't, aren't you a little bit like something's wrong? Same thing's for you and I. We're meant to grow. We're meant to change. We're meant to, to be transformed, to be renewed. And if that's not happening, something's wrong. Jesus invites us to himself, but it's not just this one-time decision. He is constantly renewing and transforming us. We're meant to grow in community. And, and, and Jesus set an example for this. He called 12 disciples to himself, and they lived with him for three years, learning what it meant to really abide in him. They had community. Now, if you... If you were to take a seed and you didn't plant it in the ground and I just held it up in front of you here, could it grow just being held out in the air like this? What do you have to do? You've got to plant it in the ground. You and I have to be planted in community to actually grow. I think this has been true of my life. The seasons of my life where I've been stale and I and I feel like things aren't changing and I'm not growing, it's when I'm disconnected from community. It's when I'm not sharing my life with people. It's when people don't know me. Th- those, are the, those are the drier seasons of my life. And maybe that's true for you too. So if you're in one of those types of seasons, my guess is you have to take a step into community and actually share your life with people to grow. God will meet you there. He has been faithful to do that in my life, and I can say that for many others. One of my favorite things to do is to gather, uh, ties one of these guys, on Saturday mornings and Tuesday mornings, I have two groups. We get together, we share life, we share what we're learning from the scriptures, and, and every time I leave, a Saturday morning or a Tuesday morning with, with John and some other guys, every time I leave, I go, my life is, is better. I don't think I've ever left one of those groups and gone like, gosh, now, maybe you've been in a group like that, sorry. <laughs> but I never leave it going, oh, that was such a waste of my time. Why did I do that? I think to myself, what a gift. What a gift. That there's people in my life that we share what Jesus is doing and we encourage and we pray for one another. I hope you have that too. That's our vision as a church, that you would grow in community. You're not meant to be isolated and alone. Uh, Shannon gave a a practical example of how we kind of foster these types of environments. This Churches That Heal stuff is going to be awesome this this fall. Worth plugging into. If you don't have a group or you're not connected, that'd be a good step. Just jump into that group. It's eight weeks. You can do eight weeks. Come on, you can do eight weeks of your Netflix stuff. Come on. You can, you can follow your season all the way through, can't you? Yes, you can. Make a choice to get connected. Last element, serve. Uh, our desire is to, to leverage what we've been given. All of us, guys, we are more blessed than you could possibly believe. 
We're rich beyond our wildest dreams. We really are. We don't, we don't, if you've never traveled the world, then you don't have a context for it. We have been so richly blessed. And we're called to be stewards of that. What God has given us, he's given for his purposes in the world. And so we take what we have and we put it before him and we say, Lord, what do you actually want to do with this? I'm going to follow your lead there. How do you want me to steward the resources that you've, you've given me? And there's, there's tons of examples. Our, our time, our money, our resources. Every week I see this with people that sacrifice their time and their energy and sometimes their mental capacity to be with students and kids every week. Like they, they lean into relationships with the youth because they believe that God is working in them and that they're going to be the leaders of tomorrow and so it's worth being in their lives. Amen? Oh, we need a bigger one than that. Amen? Yeah. Our youth need us. And, and it is a cost to be in their lives, but man, what a gift for us to be able to invest in the next generation and see kids on a video excited about Jesus, believing that he's going to change the world. That's a beautiful thing. I see this happening in your generosity every week. I see this happening with things like Church at the Beach. This is a community that's taking what we have and using it to lift up the name of Jesus and see life transformed. How do we leverage our lives for others? Verse 9, continuing in, in John 15. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. What we have received, we give away. When I stood with this couple on Friday, that's my encouragement at most weddings, I look at the groom in the face, <laughs> and I say, young man... <laughs> One of the greatest ways that God is going to express his love and grace to your bride is through your life. And I look at her and I say the same thing to her. Because it's through our lives that people experience grace and goodness. It's through each one of us. And that's true for all of us. It's not just in a marriage context. What we have been given, we freely give away. And that's not just finances and time. That's grace and forgiveness, and mercy, and kindness, and patience, and patience, and kindness, and mercy, and kindness, and patience, and mercy, and forgiveness. Come on, somebody. Jesus gives it to you every single day. Shouldn't we give it away? Kindness, and patience, and mercy. It is so sad when people who know Jesus don't act like Jesus. 
When people who have been forgiven don't forgive. When people who have been shown grace don't show grace. God, forgive us. We're not demonstrating your heart to the world. Help us to remember what we've received so that we can bless the world with your grace and your goodness. Amen? We serve. We leverage what we've been given. We give it away. When we get to the end of 2022 and we start the new year, we're going to visit this again. Our hope when we look back is that we can say, this year, I spent more time connecting with my Savior. I spent more time being transformed in community. I spent more time taking the gifts that I have been given and caring for other people. I hope that's true for your life. I want that to be true in my life. I want to look at my life and go, man, this year was a great year because I've I've just given it away (laughs) for the glory of God. Worship team, you guys can come and join me as we close. Why don't you get your communion out? We're going to conclude by receiving communion. Jesus, and if, oh man, I'm so sorry. For those of you that have struggled opening these things, the struggle is real. <laughs> Normally I open it before this moment so that this doesn't happen in front of you. Uh, Jesus sat down with his disciples right before he went to the cross for them and and he shared a meal with them and, and he did it as a symbolic thing that they would carry for the rest of their lives that carries generations later to right now in this moment. And he, and he said, I, here's what's about to happen. I'm about to go and die and it's for you and and my blood's going to be shed, and it's going to be confusing. It's for you. I'm, 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 I'm saving you with my life. And, and things are going to get kind of rough. And so I need you to, to practice this meal. I need you to do this often in remembrance of who I am. In, in the text we read, it says, You didn't choose me, I chose you. And we take this meal today, we, we take this wafer that, that's symbolic of the body of Christ and we take this cup that's symbolic of his blood that was shed because it's a reminder to us that we are grafted into the story of grace not because of our efforts but because of the grace and goodness of Jesus. He's the one that connects us. He's the one that heals us, that restores us, that saves us. It's not striving, it's receiving from the Savior of our souls. And, and so quickly we move away into striving and trying to do things for God. And we come back to this meal to remember, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. His body was broken for you. You're in the story because of his work, not yours. The body of Christ, broken for every single one of us. Let's receive this together. The blood of Christ, which extends forgiveness for all of our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Let's receive this together. We stand as we close and worship.